Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is 10-26-2022, and we are ready to begin our worship service this evening. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this time we have this evening. We thank you for life, health, and strength, and we pray that uh, as we open your word that we will uh, have the wisdom that uh, is destined for our glory before time began. Teach us uh, as we open your word to uh, not only focus our attention, but uh, be ready to receive what you uh, have told us in, those, in the scriptures ahead of us. We thank you for those who, who are on the call. We pray for those who may still be joining us. We pray for uh, those who are sick among us. We pray a prayer of thanksgiving uh, at this hour for Fred and uh, for Brenda for completing uh, the task that was uh, ahead of them and they completed it successfully so we want to praise you for giving them the strength and the fortitude to work through the rigors of all that they had to go through and Father at this point we can know that it is behind us also thanks for bringing Dwight back safely and not falling off the mountain and we appreciate your, your wisdom and your grace as we approach life. All of this we ask in Christ's name, for his sake. Amen. 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 All right. Amen. So we are, as you know, studying in the book of Romans. We're going to get there. Um, it's a short verse tonight. Uh, verse uh, Romans eleven twenty three. And I would, would imagine that we should have some opportunity for Q&A later. We'll see how it goes. Um, but we should jump right in. So you should have notes. And uh, it reads, And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. God is always ready to reconcile, especially after discipline. We can see the character of God and how he handles wayward Israel. He holds no revenge motivation in his heart. In fact, if he did, he would never have chosen the Apostle Paul. Paul, uh, uh, God is indeed merciful towards us. I can understand now when he... Uh, I can understand when he tells us, quote, what I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is in Matthew 5, 44. I will admit this attitude is not one that comes naturally. It can only be fulfilled in the power of the spirit. Quote, love does not behave, uh, uh, I'm sorry, does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. That's uh, 1 Corinthians 13.6. These statements are not only telling us how to behave, but also this attitude comes from God's own heart. So that's, <clears throat> that's one of the things I try to look through. Even if you're reading a scripture that does not appear to speak about um, God's heart, he's showing it to you. He's showing it to you in discipline. He's showing it to you 
and reconciliation and, and all the all the kind of ways that you think about uh, it is an open book for us to see who God is. God has given us His Word, and by doing that, we are able to see more about God than even when we imagine, when we examine it through the lens of the Spirit of Truth. So I'd like to get going in these this short phrases, and we won't take too long here. Uh, we don't have a whole... Uh, um, it's not a long verse, although next week is long, but I would imagine we have some uh, momentum as we've covered this theme. And I hope you're with me when it comes to the, the thought of what is actually going on in these verses. And I hope we, we have dispelled some of the things that people have said these verses meant and that we at, we at least are able to see what is the God trying to tell us here. What is this the point in this chapter? So we're going to dig into this. We broke it down in three phrases. Uh, one, and if they do not persist in unbelief, and the first question I ask is, who are they? Uh, not that we don't know, but I just figured it might be good to set some, some basics here. Uh, this refers to those Jews who rejected their Messiah. Their persistent unbelief was directed toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you look at Acts chapter 7 and 51, it talks about it. It says, you do always resist the Holy Spirit, just as your forefathers did, so do you. And this, this is the thought, that the Jews were stubborn when it came to... Uh, the Messiah, even before the Messiah showed up on the scene, they had already developed an attitude of resistance, stubbornness toward the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting because the Holy Spirit is the only one who can lead you to Christ. So when you resist the influence of the Holy Spirit, which they did, obviously the next shoe to drop would be they're going to reject Christ. And sure enough, Christ showed up on the scene and they rejected him to his face. So when it says, if they do not persist in unbelief, well, God is saying, I can, I can still bring those Jews who were un, in unbelief, unbelief, they rejected the Messiah, I could bring those Jews, the ones that are modern day, first century Jews, who are, are under this stubbornness. If they change their minds and believe, then I could understand. Uh, I will forgive them. I will restore them. Not to Israel, obviously, as we are going to see. But God has a plan for their lives. If they turn in this age, and believe in Christ, they can still enjoy all the benefits that not only uh, their calling afforded them, but also they can enjoy the benefits of the church, which are blessings in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So let's get to it. <clears throat> so they, they rejected their Messiah, but it kind of tells us something about God. 
what is God's attitude toward wayward Israel? He still is holding out his hand to them. And just think, at the time of writing, not only did the Jews have that pattern of resistance where God had to discipline them severely, but then the Lord came, they rejected him to his face, and then uh, after God called the Apostle Paul, <clears throat> because Paul was rejecting him too as well. And so this is where we are when, at the time of writing. So I, just think about this. This is God's attitude. It is not one of hatred or you got me, I'm going to get you back. It is one of love. He's saying, they turn and believe. But notice, they had to believe. It wasn't that God's going to say, oh, you know, you guys have been my chosen people over all this time. And, you know, there has to be some special benefit to that. No, God is saying, you got to believe. Believe is the key word here. And if they were going to pers persist in that unbelief, like their forefathers did, then obviously they would continue to realize the wrathful side of God. They would continue to realize the disciplinary side of God. So, point B, Israel rejected and crucified their Messiah. Jesus pronounced judgment on the nation. Now, <clears throat> he did this when he was, he came and he presented himself to the nation and the nation refused to trust in him as their Messiah. I'm going to turn to Matthew 23 just to remind you of their mindset and how Christ had to deal with them face to face. So 23 through 39, I'm going to read these verses quickly, but you can get the tenor of them as you just kind of look and see what Christ is saying. He says in verse 23, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the most, the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain at a net but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, notice who he's talking to, the leadership. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombstones, uh, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You build tombs of the prophets for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead then 
complete what your ancestors started. Listen to that verse. You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Therefore, I am sending you prophets and sages and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town. And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zerachiah, son of Berechiah, of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Now here, truly I tell you, all this will come on this generation. And he continues, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who are sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you are not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So, judgment is pronounced. Jesus was very clear about what he was telling Jerusalem. Your house is left unto you desolate. All this will come on this generation. I would have loved to have gathered you like a chick, uh, like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. So when I think about how Israel rejected Christ and how that must have been hard. In fact, if you ask me, it was the culminating atrocity that the Jewish nation could have could have committed. They did it. it. The greatest evil was to reject their own Messiah, for whom they were supposed to be the priest nation to the world. And yet, we see God's attitude in our verse here. If they do not persist in unbelief, well, they can be grafted in. Interesting. That's grace. That's mercy. Point C, let's move forward. Uh, oh, and by the way, just to note, these judgments continue into Matthew chapter 24. As you know, Matthew 24 already. So it doesn't stop right here. It continues. <clears throat> Point C. Even though the nation failed, there is always a remnant. We must keep that as our attitude. And notice Romans 11, we're back to Romans 11 again, 3 and 4. What does it say? It says, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So what God, we never want to develop that attitude, like we're the only ones serving you, Father. Where is everybody? You know, like this is what uh, Elijah said, cried out to God. I'm, and they're trying to get, everything's, the whole plan's going to fail. God is saying, no, uh, I got this. I got you. Don't you worry about this. This is I have 7,000. Listen, there's always a remnant. 
Now, we may not know, but guess, guess what? This is a big world that we're living in. And there are many Christians out there that I, and we just, there's absolutely no way that we could know who is on God's side. Who are those believers that are out there? And things could get bad like they did in, in the time of Elijah. And uh, it could really look dire. But don't, don't ever fret. Don't ever think that God has abandoned us. He has not. He knows. So we, you know, it could look, it could, it could really look bad. Like we, we think, oh, this is, this country is so stable. And uh, I, I would imagine people in Ukraine felt that way too. But then their whole lives were turned upside down by war. But God is still on the throne. Right? These things happen. And God allows them. It's part of what Jesus means when he says in this world, you will have trouble. Let's keep going. Point D. Some examples of those are, are those Jews in, uh, on the day of Pentecost, right? So if you go to Acts chapter 2, 36 and 38, let's look at this. We're asking, who are these people? <clears throat> if, if they don't persist in unbelief, God can graft them in again. Who are these people? Acts chapter 2, 36 through 38. Let's look at this really quick. He says, um, <clears throat> verse 36, Therefore, now this is Peter's sermon after... Um, the display of the gift of tongues, or maybe we should just stop calling it the gift of tongues. Because that's an ancient word. Uh, maybe we should be saying the gift of languages, because that's really what that gift is. It's not the stuff you're hearing ministers blurt out today where they're just kind of saying any syllable that comes to mind. We're talking about languages. And if you want to know, all these people in Acts chapter 2, it tells you what languages of these people, all right, it, it gives the where they're from. So these are languages. And maybe if we took the, the mystery out of it, uh, the gift of tongues, you know, no, it's just the gift of languages. Uh, sort of like the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Which one excites people more? The Holy Ghost, right? We, we probably need to calm down on this thing because people have taken it to the nth degree of, uh, of where uh, they shouldn't have. So Peter got their attention. He was Once he got these, uh, the attention of these Jews who were there for not... To hear Peter's sermon. They were here assembled there because of Pentecost, which is a pilgrimage. And so, verse 36, Peter's well into his sermon, but he hits them square between the eyes right here in verse 36. He says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. So notice, these people were probably there just a couple months ago shouting, crucify him in the crowd. I would imagine if Peter is leveling this against them. He says, you, you crucified both Lord and Messiah. 
So what did the people, what did they say? They didn't say, well, we weren't there. That's not me. I don't know what you're talking about, Peter. No, this is verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, <laughs> we crucified the Messiah. That's the biggest crime there could possibly be. What shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice the gift of the Holy Spirit, the church age. You're talking about these are the people who were standing in the crowd yelling, crucify him. And if they change their mind, where they thought Christ was an imposter, a, a criminal, somebody who deserved punishment, a blasphemer. And if they change their mind now, once the, the Holy Spirit, they're under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, obviously, from verse what we saw in verse 37, they were cut to the heart. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And what, what does it say? Because men do not believe in me, Christ said in John 16. And what does it say? What should we do? Change your mind, right? This is, I know you committed a horrible crime. What do you do? Change your mind about who Christ is and believe in him. And then he says, and be baptized, every one of you in the name. That's, to be baptized is... Basically, you're changing sides. You're professing now that you're on the side of Christ. And so that, now, of course, we know baptism is not, it has nothing to do with salvation. It's just a result of salvation and what people, God has, has told them, right, to make that profession. But it does not, it is a work. It, that is not something that we can tie to salvation. You know, a good thought of, how that works is if you think about circumcision. Right? The Jews thought circumcision was a rite that would usher them into the doors of Israel. Right? You had to be circumcised. Well, Paul brings that point out in uh, Romans chapter 4. <clears throat> was it before? Did he believe and receive the righteousness of God before he was circumcised or after he was circumcised? It was before he was circumcised. So what God, what Paul is saying there is, just don't get it twisted. Don't think that some work, no matter what it is, is part of salvation. It is clear that uh, what, what happened to Paul, I, I'm sorry, Paul was saying what happened to Abraham in Romans chapter 4, was he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And that was no works. Believing does not include works. So, so we think about baptism. We, we need to at least say that because people will look at that verse and they will think, oh, so you got to be baptized in order to be saved. I love it because I want to do something anyway. I've been trying to do something. Let me get, take me to the water, you know, or something. You know. So then, uh, but that's, that thought, right, that thought, is, again, I'm just turning back to our notes. This is the heart of God, where he dealt with, where he was patient with 
these people, even though they had nothing but hatred, vitriol in their hearts toward him. So, I'm in point D. Also, the apostle Paul is a good example of this. And obviously we know that's Romans 1, Romans 11, 1 and 2, where Paul says, I, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, me. I, uh, remember Paul, you, you know who Paul was. God didn't reject his people by no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant from Abraham, from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people because look, I'm standing right here whom he foreknew. Right? Uh, so there's absolutely, God is always, it's, he's always an open door when it comes to forgiveness and reconciliation and so forth. Let's keep going in our notes. We're, we're uh, at point number two. So, and if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in. So the first question is why would they be grafted in? It's a very simple question because it's just making you focus on the context Right? People ask a question like, why? Well, then you should not just be thinking, well, let me think, why? No, it's right here in the context, right? It's because they do not persist in unbelief. It seems obvious, but it should be stated. Why were they, did they, were they broken off? Well, our context tells us they were broken, broken off because of unbelief. Well, how could they possibly be grafted in? They're not going to just say, well, okay, God, you know, they're Jews, so they get to be Jews. No, they have to believe, just like we saw in Acts 2, right, 30, 36, 37, and 8, or we saw the Apostle Paul. They now believe in Christ. They're not, they're not, they're not persisting in unbelief. So believing is gargantuan in terms of importance. It's huge. If we, the only way we can receive grace salvation by grace is to believe that's it there's no other way there's no other way that we uh, in our state our condition can receive salvation it's by grace so what does Satan do he works right there he attacks our faith right he attacks what faith is especially in, in the day we live in right people or sit there and tell you, oh, it's by grace, and I, all I did was believe. And then, really, in their heart, they have works, and they don't believe. So, on the surface, oh, yeah, everything, they're saying all the right words, but in their heart, they're far from Him. So, let's dig in here. Point B, where would they have been grafted in? Where would they be grafted in? So, when it says they will be grafted in, where? And the answer is God's visible representatives in the world. And currently, that responsibility belongs to the church and not to the nation Israel. So if you wonder, oh, is God going to graft them back in and make them the nation of Israel again? No, no, not at all. Because the nation Israel is under discipline. And there's no grafting them in. What does it say? Uh, uh, verse Romans eleven eight, as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they could not see and ears that they could not hear to this very day. And David says, may their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution to them. He's talking about the nation. And the nation 
was blind to who Christ was. They were blind. So that's why they crucified him. Uh, they resisted. And their blindness came because of resistance. So uh, they, here it is. If they're going to be grafted into to this olive tree, which is now changed from Israel, the nation Israel, to the responsibility of that belongs to the church. That's what they're grafted into. Right? Now, it's still the same calling. In other words, it is our objective to go out and preach grace, this grace gospel to the world. And uh, Israel did not do that. They, they would not do that. They refused to do that. In fact, it, it got to the point where they wouldn't even want to talk to or, or be in the presence of Gentiles. They thought that was unclean and how... Uh, would they lower themselves to do such a thing? It had gotten to that point. So again, they are grafted in to, and, and when we say we know they're part of the church, because if anybody believes in this age, they're going to be they're going to belong to the church, and they're not going to be Jews anymore. However, the calling that they had is now the responsibility of the church, and they get to go out and just like the Apostle Paul preach the good news. Like he says, I'm a debtor, both to Jews and to Greeks. I owe them this. This is what I feel that God has placed upon me as a steward, and I'm going to faithfully discharge my duties in this in this matter. Point number C, I think. Yeah, C. Two C is where we are. Two doors of entrance into the church. There are two. <clears throat> so, how do you, how do if one wants to come into the church, or you? You got there's two ways we actually enter through, and I just want to point these two ways out, as you know, because Israel did not have uh, this way. It's Ephesians three six, where it says, "This mystery is that through the gospel, there it is, right there, those words, through the gospel. You might as well say through the door. Right? This this is how a person." Uh, receives salvation in this particular age. And nobody knew that this age would would be, but in this age, there's a new entity, a new creation called the church. And how do you get in that church? It is through the gospel. You have to believe. Another good in, uh, scripture I could have thrown in there would have been Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, where he says, uh, you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marching him with the seal, and so forth and so on. But it is through the gospel and through belief, it says, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. What does that mean? Members together of one body. Heirs together with Israel is a new inheritance. We don't inherit the land. We're not the nation Israel. And sharers together in the promise in Notice, in Christ Jesus. That's the new creation. That's, that's what we are ushered into. We're ushered into Christ. So that, that, is, that part of it is key when we think about that. So, and then there's 1 Corinthians 12, 13, I'll just, which is the other entrance into the church. I don't think these happen, you know, with no tarrying. Or, all it is is once you believe... <clears throat> In this age, these things happen simultaneously. So here it is, for we were all baptized. Notice who was baptized, all of us, not some of us, all of us. 
by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. This is heavily uh, metaphors uh, that we are dealing with here, but you, you get the point of how we get into the body of Christ is through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So let's keep it going here. Point D. Again, this refers to the natural branches. That's what we're talking about. Those who were Jews, and now they're coming back to their calling, but, but through a different lens, through the church. God created them for this purpose. They're the natural branches. When you think about it, God did not call the church for this reason. But he has given us this calling, that is to go out and preach the gospel. It's a blessing. It's a privilege to be able to go out and, and say and, and represent Christ, be ambassadors for Christ, ministers of reconciliation. It's it's a privilege to be able to do that. But God has given us that. But the natural branches are the ones who are fitted for that. God created them for that very purpose. That that's who they would be, a nation among nations. And that's one of God's call. And it will be fulfilled, as we know. Uh, we talk about Jews, Israel failing, but Israel will, in fact, succeed. In fact, we're coming up on those verses uh, from 25 forward. So just to balance this out, we don't want to keep talking about Israel's failure as though it's an absolute. It is not. It's temporary as well. So they're the natural branches. We are not the natural branches. So what does that have to say? It's to say that this calling really doesn't belong to us. You know, we're heavenly people. We are not of this world. But God has blessed us with this blessing to be able to do this. He could have taken you straight on to heaven because that's where you belong. But he says, you know what? I'm going to leave them in this world, not only so that they can grow in grace, but that they will fulfill this purpose, which gives God opportunity to always have boots on the ground. So let's keep going. Um, number three is this, this review. So, and, and, and if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in. For God, God is able to graft them in again. So this is just a few points on that. And then we're going to turn it over to some Q&A. See if there's any thoughts. Uh, whatever's on your mind, let's open the floor. So the first thought is, even though they rejected Christ... God can restore them to this calling. But now, in Christ, and there are some surprises for them. It is not just the same old thing they, were, they had when they were in Israel. Because not only are... I'm just going to read 2 Corinthians 5. We already know. Not that we haven't read these verses. It doesn't hurt to be reminded of them. 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. So when we talk about the old and the new, what are we talking about? We're talking about Adam and Christ. Adam is the old. Christ is the new. We're talking about the two Adams in that verse. So 
Where are we talking? Where are we? If anyone is in Christ. Christ is the new. The new what? The new creation. It has come. We are part of it. So then he says all this is, uh, all this is from God. Verse 18, it doesn't come from us. God did this as part of his plan. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So there it is. He gave us this ministry. Literally, you, whatever your name is right now, just plug your name in, are a minister of reconciliation. Uh, we could print you up a nice certificate if you want on 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 the computer or get nice color paper and all that and, and, and print you up a nice certificate and put your name in there uh, I'm not going to call anybody's name but you are a minister it doesn't matter if you're male it doesn't matter if you're female I know there's a lot of controversy about that but if anyone now anyone would well, be male or female Jew or Gentile it doesn't matter what your race doesn't matter what your, what your uh, gender if you're in Christ, you're, you're a new creation. And you have this ministry. What else is God telling us here? Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This is the gospel, man. This is it right here. This is the crux of the matter. Now, of course, he continues right, where it says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. In other words, we're, <laughs> he's supposed to be speaking through us. As Peter says, if anyone speaks for God, they should speak as though they were speaking the very words of God. Well, if you want to speak the very words of God, tell people that God is not counting their sins against them. Because now you get to tell them about who Christ is and the work of Christ. Right? Well, if we were to boast about something, if we want to talk about something, let's talk about Christ, the work that he did. We don't have any work. There's nothing about us that is important. But if we want to get in front of somebody, we want to you know, magnify the works of Christ, not only in his being judged for all of our sins, but him uh, imputing righteousness to us who believe. And that righteousness is the righteousness of Christ. Let's keep going. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. There it is. That's what we're supposed to be doing, helping uh, ministers of reconciliation, helping those who need reconciliation. Verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that's just like Abraham. Salvation is the same in every age. There is no difference. We are saved. Now, of course, in this age, we have extra blessings because of who we are, what our purpose is. So we just want to make sure. So, but God is, when he's saying he will graft them in again, that's what he's talking about. He's saying these people who were haters, right? They were people who railed against the Lord, Jesus Christ. 
God is saying, I will take them back. I will take them back. Uh, all they got to do is turn and believe in Christ. Repent re and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Point B, God is merciful in dealing with the Jews. That's what that is to say. There, is, there are no hard feelings, no attitude of revenge, only blessing what God wants. This is, you're seeing the heart of God. If you want to know who God is, just look at how he handled this. I can tell you, if it was us, We'd be like, Jews? Uh, they would be like the Amalekites or the Jebusites or where are they today? They're no longer here. If it was up to us, we would just wipe them out, period. But God is saying, no, 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 that's not how, that's not how it's going to work. My plan, my heart for these people, uh, they will fulfill the purpose for which they were called. And I don't have any revenge or motivation, any I'll get them back, oh how dare they do that to my son, right? Even though we had that parable where it talks about a landowner rented out his vineyard and, and then they, how they took over the vineyard and, and then they, he said, I'll send my son. They said, well, oh, there's the heir. Let's kill him. They killed the son. So what do you think they should do to those uh, those tenants. What do you think he should do? And you know what the Pharisees weren't even thinking, right? So they said, oh, they should kill him. Kill him. Put him under the, under the ground, right? Uh, that's typically what they said, because that's typically how we think, right? We think that's justice. But God is saying, no, no, that's not how uh, I'm going to handle it. But notice your heart. Notice who you are inside. God, God wants you to see who he is inside. He's telling you not to be arrogant <clears throat> against the branches. That's point C, and that's our last point. The Jews, they were made for this role. We are not. This is their role. They, that's why they are called the natural branches. Because it belongs to them. We're playing a role that really doesn't belong to us. We're heavenly people. We are not of this world. So do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. Now, wait a minute. You mean the tables can turn? You mean the Jews who had their nose up when they walked by a Gentile? Could now the Gentiles have their nose up when they walk by a Jew? Don't let it happen. Don't take that attitude. That's what God is telling you in all of this. He's showing you his heart toward those people. If they do not persist in unbelief and they believe in Christ, they're going to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. They're going to be part of the same thing we are a part of. There's going to be no differentiation, whether they're Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. Doesn't, none of that, those distinctions matter. We are all in the new creation now. And that's what we need to be learning about, the new creation so we're going to pause. Uh, thank you for taking some time. But what we want to do now is transition and see if there are any thoughts uh, out there. We're, we're going to open the floor uh, so that uh, you have opportunity to express your thoughts. Eric, I would just like to add a couple of um 
thoughts that I had during the part you were talking about um, what was going on in the book of Acts when Peter was delivering his sermon and talking about using, you know, demystifying the language of the gift of tongues and just calling it simply what it is. And it was a gift of language and people were hearing what was being said in their own language. That's right. Um, it's interesting in another part of Corinthians that Paul is talking about their needing to be an interpreter for somebody speaking in tongues and uh, what we shall call speaking in languages. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting how people have been twisted that role in today's meaning. So not only is gift of tongues taken to an, to an extreme where it doesn't seem to be an intelligible language anywhere, um, the interpreter is pretty much a person solely on their own um, stating what this means. So it's not like there's other people who are hearing it in their language. Um, so it, it has become something quite twisted from what it was originally. Yeah. Um, the other thing, and I think Bill may have brought this up before, um, that in the crowd of thousands that uh, Peter was uh, telling them that they had crucified their Lord and Savior and they were cut to the heart and they believed. You know, they, what must we do? And they believed, and there were 3,000 souls saved that day. And we see in that scenario that there's nothing that they could have done. There were, there were no works. There was no time passing for them to accomplish anything. It was just simply believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, which was their salvation. That's right. Um, you know, it, it, that has been taken out of uh, contact as well because people will say, well, day baptism was part of the requirement. So yeah. they had to get baptized. Uh, but we know, as you stated, that it's it basically a proclamation of the change that has already occurred in your heart. Right, right. I mean, it's... Yeah, thanks, yeah, thanks for bringing those up. Oh, you're welcome. I'm, I'm happy to be able to talk about it uh, in this way because it is a major deception in the Christian world today. In fact, uh, probably nine out of 10 uh, Christians that are out there afraid to talk about what the gift of tongues are. Um, We wrote a paper on this many years ago, uh, I don't know, 20 years ago or so, but uh, just to note that what are these gift of what is the gift of tongues or what what we want to just kind of remove from our vocabulary the gift of languages what are what is it all about and we got an opportunity but if you go to most churches today they're afraid (laughs) well some embrace it and like oh yeah we're gonna you know say whatever comes whatever syllable comes to my mind and, and then then you're that's the gift of tongues right it is Satan getting in there and causing confusion, deception, and people to distort the word of God. All of these are the works of how Satan does, how he works. Distortion of the word of God. And then after people are doing this and have some experience and some emotional experience, and you can't tell them anything. They're not even listening to what the word of God is saying anymore. Uh, the gift of tongues is was never for uh, what people are using it for today or trying to 
you know, perpetuate the gift. And so then, and a lot of churches are like, well, don't say the, that the gifts have ceased. Don't say that. That would be terrible to say because then we'll bring upon ourselves all this wrath from people who do believe it. Well, just, I'd say, you know, we have to teach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season, rebuke, you know, exhort, comfort. Allow the word to be what it is. And that's going to be the best for us. Not worried about what people will say. If we say this, then what will they say about it? Well, if we receive persecution from the world, so be it. I mean, they took Christ to the cross because of the word of God. They called him a blasphemer. So, just we, we want to think of it that way. So, thanks for for uh, highlighting that as well. Other thoughts out there? Is let's keep it going. We do have uh, another more than fifteen minutes, so but I'll, I'll make sure we have opportunity. Yeah. Well, one one question. Um, when Christ was on the cross and he said to one of the, uh, I forget whether he was a murderer or whatever he was, he said, this day you shall be with me in paradise. Right? Yes. Hey, welcome, welcome Bill. Hey. Go right ahead. Welcome. So, so this person didn't inherit the new creation. He basically just went from cross over from death to life. He, he just told them this was just salvation yeah so the thief on the cross is what who you're referring to right <clears throat> yeah yes so, so yeah the, the thief on the cross even though notice even though he died with christ right which is sort of uh, the definition for the baptism of the holy spirit we, we die with him we are buried with him and we raise we are raised with him well that thief did die with him and but he is not part of the church age yeah because the church age started at pentecost that's it. even the disciples who god uh, jesus through jesus told all these things about what was coming and uh, the relationship the oneness that we have in christ the power christ would be in us we'd be in christ and we would have access to the father the father can, will also resign. none of that happened for any of the disciples until Pentecost. So it, Christ was giving them an, a good introduction of it all, but nope, nope. Thief on the cross did not make it. And neither did John the Baptist. John the Baptist, uh, Jesus says of him, he was a great, <clears throat> he was one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. And yet, he did not make it to the church age. He died before the church age began. So it is very telling of the, the day the church started, the inauguration of the church. It is Pentecost. That's when the Spirit will come. The Spirit coming makes all the difference because with the Spirit coming, he brings the baptism of the spirit and that is the the uh the those are the mechanics of how god places somebody into the body of christ so you point out about the thief yeah that's a good way to think about it so the one thief we know 
continued to rail against Christ. He did not believe, but that one turned, even though he was mocking him and so forth, he turned, he really got a chance to look at Christ. And they weren't up there for minutes. They were up there for hours, let's just point it out. Uh, he did, He had a change of mind. What is a change of mind? It's repentance. See, so repentance can be used as a synonym for salvation, for believing. And if a person repents with regard to Christ, like that thief did, what did Christ turn to him and say? Today you will be with me in paradise. Now that other thief, he didn't go to paradise, <laughs> which is Abraham's bosom. <clears throat> he went to torments. So if we follow what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16. So, so that is exactly right. That is exactly right. That thief did not make it to the church. He did not prevail, but he saved. He has eternal life. He has eternal life. So uh, that is, you know, he will always be with God. Now, it won't be in the church age, but he will, he will always be in the age that God, he will be on the earth. He was probably a Jew. These were probably Jewish criminals that were crucified. So I don't believe, I don't think they were Gentiles. They were Jewish criminals. Remember, uh, Barabbas was a Jewish criminal. Right? Who should we release to you, Barabbas or Christ? Right? And they said, we'll take Christ. I'm sorry. They said, we'll take Barabbas. All right, we're going to... Uh, Throw it back out there. We still have a good time if you guys... Or I don't know if that answers your question, Bill, but if it does, you know, and you still have other thoughts, let's talk. Floor's okay. open. Yeah, that'll do. All right. All right. Thank you for the question. Other, other thoughts out there? Floor is still open. Um, I just wanted to express an appreciation for your using the phrase um, God's visible representation in the world or God's representative in the world. Um, I know there's been a lot of confusion. In my experience, there's been a lot of confusion about the, the term elect. And, um, and it's been troublesome because it's... It, most often preached in, in places that I've been to as those who are elected to be saved, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, as if God is choosing who is, who is going to be saved. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that you're identifying them not by the uh, you know, theological term, but rather the defining phrase of, of, what, of what we need here. Yeah. Um, I see. I see your point. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, yep, the, this this um. You know, there's almost every point. I don't know who I was telling this to the other day, but uh, to almost every point of doctrine, Satan attacks, and he just his attacks come in the form of distorting it, twisting it, uh, making it something that it is not, so that people walk away and you know, believe things that are false. So we, I don't care what it is, but it's the Trinity, it's uh, 
hypostatic union, uh, even just the work of Christ and what he does in terms of salvation. Did he pay for the sins? Did he not? Did he pay for some? He only paid for some sins. He didn't pay for them all. Every almost every area of what you can think about, there's you see where Satan has his hand in it. So it is up to us to be as clear as we can, to be as direct as we can, knowing that when you open your mouth to speak, Satan is trying to figure out how he can twist your words, how he can. Uh, so even though you're telling directly what, pe- what what the word says, he's trying to do his best to distort it. Uh, and it started from the very beginning. Did God tell you that you cannot eat from every tree in the garden? He knew. He knows what God said. He's not foggy on this or you know, looking for clarification. He knows what God said. Did God tell you that? What, what does the woman say? Oh, well, hold on. Let me let me straight. Let me say what God said. God said this, and uh, you know, and, and but what does he do? He engaged her in conversation. Now he's able to place a hook. Right? He got her, her attention now, and so uh, whatever the distortion. You what did he say? You shall not surely die. Just lied to her, straight up, and. Uh, we know the rest of the story. But every area that you can think about, Satan seeks to distort or destroy. Right? He, when he found out the line was coming through Israel, the, the seed of the woman, what did he do? He said, well, okay, I know what I'll do. I'll destroy Israel. We'll wipe them from the face of the earth. How about that? So how can, how can God fulfill his purposes if there is no Israel? So he... he Every area, he is the enemy of God, and he's focused on destruction. All right, I will pause to see if there are other thoughts. I don't want to take up all of the time, but I appreciate that, uh, that uh, you're calling that out. Uh, visible representatives, people with boots on the ground as well. The floor is open. Going once, going twice. It's a wrap. Let's bow our heads as we close. Thank you, Father, for this time we've had this evening. We thank you for those who uh, joined in and participated, and we thank you for the questions, and we thank you for the text that has been preserved for us so that we can examine it and allow your spirit to teach us what exactly are we dealing with here. Father, as we close, we pray for wisdom as we go forward, as we make decisions about uh, how we are to live in this world. We ask, Father, for, uh, for prayer for those who are sick among us, those who are grieving, Still, we pray again for, you know, we thank you for the praise report that we have received from Fred and others. Um, But Father, we know we're living in a tough world, a world that is against us, a world that's not for us. So we pray that you will give us wisdom, protect us, because we know that we have your highest purpose in us 
So it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.